0: I'm super stoked today. We're starting a new series titled On the Real. Everybody say On the Real. On the real. You try it again. Say On the Real. On the real. I, uh, I have a, a clear purpose for these next few weeks. Um, my hope and my vision from the Lord would be that each and every one of us would have an awakening um, that God takes the foolish things to confound the wise. That God takes our imperfections and our issues and he still uses us. And, uh, but to do that, I felt like we had to kind of take you through some of the great heroes in the scriptures and kind of show you um, that although they were great men and women of God, they also had issues. And just to kind of bring it, make it real a little, a little bit, because I think sometimes we look at ourselves and we look at others and we're hard on others and we're hard on ourselves um, because we don't want them to have issues. We don't want them, we don't want us to have broken spots. And that is true. God wants to heal that, fix that, transform that. But at the same time, the reality is we all got issues. But Jesus, come on somebody. Everybody said, but Jesus. And so with that being said, we got a key verse for this series. If you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27. Turn there with me. Uh, we'll read verse 27. This is kind of the series verse for the whole series. kind of puts in perspective what we're after. It says, but God chose the foolish things. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't look at your husband. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not To nullify the things that are, verse 29, so that no man can boast before him. He chose them. He picked them. He picked mine and your old broken self to confuse the wise, to to put in perspective that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and that he can do all things. Come on, somebody. He can do all things and he can use anybody to change the world. Uh, This passage is actually, if you'll read in the earlier part of chapter one, the apostle Paul is dealing with a problem. The Corinthian church has such dissension. They're divided. They're arguing. They're bickering. They're talking bad about each other. They're posting back and forth about each other and how you, you picked the wrong side. They have become divided. They have siloed. They have tribalized within the body of believers. And they're tribalizing and, and siloing over a couple key things. Number one, who's the greatest minister that we all follow? And so they're divided up. Some say they love Paul, some say Silas, Apollos, they're back and forth. He's the better preacher. His doctrine is better. You shouldn't be listening to Paul, this, that, and other. And Paul writes them a scathing letter. And he says, let me tell you something first and foremost. I thank God I didn't baptize, baptize all you knotheads. He said, I baptized a couple of you, but I thank God because then you think that I'm somebody. And he goes off, Who is Paul? Who is Paul? We're nothing more than Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're all following Jesus. He is the only perfect man. And that's then where he moves into. So you need to understand that God chose the foolish things the fact that i'm standing here paul saying it's because god chooses the foolish things to confound the wise he takes the broken things to show everybody up that he doesn't need your perfection he takes broken inappropriate messed up people and he does something great with them are you tracking with me today say yes i'll never forget after we became christians and i uncovered the dark secrets that our pastors weren't perfect like you got to be kidding me! Like you have—I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I have had some ministry experience. I've been in the green room. I, I have worked with some narcissistic ministers. Uh, there's one minister; his entire lobby was full of his pictures. I'm like I thought this was about Jesus, but that person is one of the greatest healing people I'd ever been around. You pray, he prays for you getting healed. It's just amazing. How God takes the foolish things to confound the wise. And if there's anything that you get from this series, I want you to get delivered from standing in judgment of yourself and standing in judgment of others. I want you to realize that God will take your old brokenness and he will do miracles through you. I want you to understand that God will take your husband, your friend, your small group leader, your old crazy pastor, and he will do miracles through them even though they don't have it all together. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. Yes. And so with that being said, today we're going to study one of the biblical uh, characters. We're going to look at the man named Moses. Everybody say Moses. Everybody say Moses. Now, if I could just give you his... If I could just qualify him for just a few moments. And some of you, you know, you watched the Disney version, you know, you Prince of Egypt. Some of you seen the History Channel. Some of you have been around the church and read the Word of God. So you know a little bit about Moses. But let me just qualify who Moses was for just a moment. First and foremost, it was in a time where the Israelites were slaves. They were slaves in Egypt. The Egyptians had conquered them and enslaved them. And for hundreds of years, they beat on them and they murdered them. In fact, it came to a moment where the Pharaoh was concerned the pharaoh of egypt because the jews were having more babies than they could keep up they were multiplying like rabbits and they said you know what here's what i'm gonna do i want th- i want you to kill all the young boys i want to kill all the young boys that are born this year because i need to stop the population growth because if i don't the slaves will outnumber the rulers that's what he went after and so they killed all their babies and, he's, and he realized the jews wouldn't kill their babies so he began to tell the egyptians and the midwives and everybody kill the babies Kill the baby boys especially because then you can't propagate. Kill them off. And as you know the story, uh, Moses' mom said it's not happening. She put him in a basket, floated him down the river. The Pharaoh's daughter's down there taking a bath. Moses' sister runs over and says, look at this Hebrew boy. She finds him and she, and she goes, would you like me to find a Hebrew woman that'll nurse this brand new baby? Sure. And she goes and gets her mama, Moses' mama. So Moses' come on, talk about miracles. This boy's a miracle boy. And then so now Moses' mama is nursing him and taking care of him under Pharaoh's daughter's control. That boy is not supposed to have this kid. supposed to kill them all, but she's Pharaoh's daughter so she can do what she wants. And then raises that boy as her own in the palace. And Moses grows up. Now, I want you to think about how he's growing up. He knows he ain't Egyptian. He knows he ain't. And can you imagine all the Jews are saying to him, his mama saying to him, now, you know, this is a miracle, right? You know that God put you here for for such a time as this. You know that God only spared your life and gave you this position so that you can can get us free from these Egyptians. So this man's been growing up knowing that he doesn't fit with all the Egyptians. He don't look like them. He don't really talk like them. He doesn't really think like them. But he's got all the privileges of the palace. He's got the best teachers, the best trainers. He's phenomenally known in the kingdom as, um, oh, I don't know, the Pharaoh's daughter's stepson, adopted son. But he's got all the power, but he's not a slave. Come on now. And everyone else, his skin tone is a a slave. Everyone else, his culture, his DNA is a slave. So they're looking to him like, you're going to get us free. God put you there to get us free. God put you there. And the Bible talks about on this moment where he had this difficulty. But when we look at this man named Moses, let me just give you a few of his accolades. First and foremost, he is considered one of the greatest followers of God in all the Bible outside of Jesus. He is considered one of the most famous, most powerful uh, prophetic voices throughout the Bible. He gave us he gave us the 10 commandments. God used him to give us the 10 commandments. God used him to give the Jewish people the Torah and the law. He led the people out of Egypt. He went forward and he and he walked in miracles. I mean, do you know the storyline when he comes back and he tells Pharaoh to let God's people go? Do you know the storyline of what happens with the place So he's standing there. Can you imagine? He's standing there, and God says, "Well, bring your staff and throw it on the ground, and it'll turn into something." That would be like you going to Kim Kim Jong Jun in in North Korea and saying, "God told me to fly all the way over here because you've imprisoned all these people and it ain't right, and they're good Christian people." And God said, "Let His people go." And Kim Jong looks at you like, "Not going to happen." And you take your iPhone and you throw it on the ground and it turns into a dragon. Rah! And Kim Jong says, that ain't nothing. He brings out all his little Middle Eastern, you know, weird uh, Eastern, uh, you know, satanic stuff guys that do all kinds of witchcraft. They throw their iPhones on the floor and they turn into dragons. Ra! But then your dragon eats their dragon. Kim Jong's like, mm, I don't see it. I'm not doing it. And then you say, Kim Jong, my God says, let the people go. Because if you don't, every one of your cold drinks is going to turn to blood. Kim jong goes, I don't believe it. And every bit of water, every bit of drinking stuff turns to blood. Kim jong like, ooh, okay, I'm sorry. Maybe you're, I'll start letting some of these guys out of prison. And then he lies to you. And so then, then you say, oh, Kim Jong, because you lied to God, now God's going to send frogs all over North Korea. Going to mess up all your nuclear weapons. They're going to get all up in your nuclear weapons. Ribbit, ribbit, all over the place. And you do this ten times to the last pieces. Hey, Kim Jong, God says he's going to kill every firstborn in all of North Korea because you won't submit to God and let the people go. You won't put them out of prison and let them go down to South Korea. And all of a sudden, in the night, all of them die. And Kim Jong wakes up the next morning, tears through the night, and says, Okay, Johnny, you can let them all out of jail and follow you down to South Korea. And they all go marching out, and then Kim Jong looks up and goes, wait a minute, I done lost all this power, so now I'm going to chase you down and kill you. But instead, he gets killed, and his warriors get killed, and all of his army gets destroyed in one moment. This is the Moses we're talking about. I'd say he's a pretty powerful man of God, wouldn't you? I mean, when's the last time you threw down your iPhone and it turned into a dragon? Just saying. I'm trying to put it in modern terms. I mean, when's the last time, you know, God turned all the water in your city to blood because, you know, somebody was being wicked in your city. I mean, talk about a man of God, a phenomenal man of God. But Moses also had some issues. He had a few issues. In fact, I want to move to the first moment that we see one of his biggest issues. Moses has an issue with control, but it expresses itself in anger. If you turn with me quickly uh, to Exodus chapter 2. Moses is about 40 years of age He still lives at the palace He's uh, he's at this place in his life Like I was saying earlier Where everyone's like, you're the man You're going to get us delivered And so the Bible says in in Exodus chapter 2 Verse 11 One day after Moses had grown up What he had done? He had grown up He went out to where his own people were so he considered the Jews his own people and watched them at their hard labor. He's not doing hard labor. He's been he's grown up spoiled. I mean, he is I mean, he he's he, he's grown up with the best teachers, the best trainers, anything he's ever wanted. He watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Look at verse 12, glancing this way and that way. Seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Okay, whoa, 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 This is God's man. He's miraculously saved at birth. Should not be alive. But what does he do at 40 years of age? He is so desirous to see God's will be done that he's tired of waiting on God. He's tired of the patience that he's that one day it's gonna happen. Instead, he takes it into his own hands and is by his own strength. He says, Enough of this, you're not gonna beat on my people. And he takes this guy by the throat and he beats him down to the place that he kills him. Doesn't say that he shoots him with a gun because he doesn't have one, doesn't bow and arrow him real quick, it's not a quick death. They get into fisticuffs, and at the end of it, Moses is still alive and this dude is dead so then he takes his body and he hides it in the sand if you'll keep reading the next day he goes and he sees two jewish guys arguing he says, man y'all don't argue come on we the people of god and one of them in anger turns and says what you gonna kill me like you did the egyptian guy yesterday and in that moment he realizes it's out they are already tweeting about it i'm in trouble and he literally runs for his life because he knows that if pharaoh finds out that he's killed an egyptian as a Jewish Egyptian, that he will be killed, and then they'll beat the people of God even more. So he flees for his life. He leaves Egypt, and he, I mean, he runs away, because he realizes, I am in trouble. He realizes, I'm going to get caught. I'm about to get indicted. So he goes off, and he becomes a citizen of Greece. And therefore, because he'd been on Epstein Island, and so he becomes... Wait, wait, sorry, wrong guy. Anyway, and so... And so he becomes this, this, this person who's living out in the wilderness all, uh, miles and miles away from Egypt and for the next 40 years he's a little shepherd. He's not popular. He doesn't have any money. He's just shepherding which is one of the lowliest jobs you could do in those times. He marries, has some kids and all of a sudden he has this burning bush experience where God says go back, go back and, let, and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I want to explain something to you. If you murdered someone and they put you in jail for 40 years and you got out, how many of you would expect God to use you to bring revival? This is who this man is. This is what God does. He has murdered someone. He has not he didn't shoot him accidentally, he grabbed him by the throat. Fought it out until the man was dead. It was brutal. It was fisticuffs. It's face to face. He murders this man in his anger. I don't believe anger was his issue. I believe that his issue was an issue of control. An issue, I don't I, God, you said you were gonna do it, you're not doing it fast enough. I'm frustrated, I'm agitated, and so as a result, I'm gonna take this in my own hands. And friend, can I tell you something? I feel like Moses a lot of times, especially when I'm driving down I-20. I'm telling you right now, he had a control issue, and anyone who's a great leader probably struggles with control issues each and every Every one of us have this thing that we try to do it in our own, our own strength and waiting on God and having letting God have His time frame in this whole thing. So as a result, He all throws this whole deliverance thing by forty years and He ends up out in the wilderness for forty years. Because what is God working out of Him? He's working control out of Him. He's working out doing it in your own strength out of Him. He's got to work that out of Him because He's got a plan to set the people free. But as long as you have to be in control, Moses. As long as you can't wait on Me. As long as you can't trust Me. As long as you think. You're the man, and you think your words are powerful words, all because you've been told ever since you were a kid, oh, the Lord's going to use you, oh, you're going to change the world, oh, you're so mighty, oh, God is going to use you, oh, you did so good at football back when you were in high school, oh, you were so cool, you were so this, and because of that, 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 now I've got to work that out of you because you have control issues that leads you to be frustrated when you can't control it, which leads you to bouts of anger, which causes you to murder somebody. Yeah. And if I don't get you free from that, you will be, you will not be able to free my people From those who enslaved them. Forty years he's working that thing out. Forty years out in the wilderness. And God shows up to him and says, come on, let's do this. And if you know the storyline, he goes, as we already quoted, the ten plagues come, Pharaoh finally lets them go. He's got these suckers and he's out in the wilderness with them. He's is out. he got about a million people. Scholars believe somewhere between a million and two million people. And I want you to think about, all of a sudden, you just had... You, you, I want, ladies, think about this. You just had septuplets. Let, let it sink for a second. Think about how your life is going to change when you don't just have two kids, but you just now added five, six, seven kids to your life in one moment. All a bunch of babies. They're all throwing up. Fighting with each other, all this kind of stuff. He's got two million of them, million and a half. We'll cut the difference. Million and a half. They got issues. They've been slaves their whole life. They don't even know how to reign and rule. They don't know how to control themselves. They've got Egypt and all of Egyptian uh, 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 wickedness and 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 uh, perversion all in there. That's how they've grown up. They don't know anything else. They don't even know their God. And he's got them out there in the wilderness, and they're not out there days. And they start making false gods. They're not out there weeks. And they start complaining about Moses and want to kill Moses. And God comes to him and says, let's kill him and let's start over. And he starts pleading for them. Why? Because God has been working out this thing of control out of him for 40 years. He's been working it out. The man is 80 years old and he's walking these guys through the wilderness to get them to their promised land, a a, a place of milk and flowing with milk and honey, which just simply means a place of prosperity. And so he's having this issue with them. They want to rise up. They want to kill him. They want to go back to Egypt. And God begins to say, let's do away with them. And Moses intercedes for the people. Look at the change that 40 years has brought to let go of that control issue. But he's still not quite there. God delivers them, sets them free, and God begins to say, okay, Moses, you got to make some changes. Moses is sitting every day. He sits in the seat of judgment, and they come to him, and they tell him his, their problems, millions of people. And he solves their problems. He is burning himself out and killing everybody. Why? Because he's got an S on his chest. He's the only one who can tell him what to do. He's the one that God uses. And finally, his father-in-law comes and visits, and he says, what are you doing? He said, are you out of your mind? You need to break this up. You need to entrust others to leadership. And they begin to break the people into groups of a hundred, five hundred, a thousand, tens of thousands, and let them literally have 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 leadership all the way down, a, a downward structure, and that Moses isn't the only one who can hear from God, and the only one who can make right decisions. He had to take that S off his chest. And because why? Because he's got control issues even out in the wilderness. And so for the next few years, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And there's this moment within the first year of being out in the wilderness where they all come to him they say, we we don't have any water for our livestock and they're complaining and god tells him he says moses strike that rock right there two times and i'll bring a river out from the bellies of the earth and take care of these millions of people so he strikes it twice (laughs) the rock opens up water flows it's phenomenal it's phenomenal but now i want to take you to his second big moment where we see his issue Second big moment where we see this issue. It's coming down to the finish line. They've been marching around this thing almost 40 years. He's almost into the promised land. He's getting right all the mess of dealing with these guys for 40 years out in the wilderness. And all of their lying and manipulating and cheating and trying to learn them. Teach them how to be Christians and to follow God. Excuse me. He's got all this. And finally, he's getting right up to the end of it. And they come back around again a second time and said, you've not provided for us. Why are we doing this? There's no water for us to drink out in the middle of this wilderness. And he goes before God. God and God says, Moses, let me tell you what to do. Would you pick up there with me in the second incident in in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 7. It says, the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. What does it say? Speak to that rock. Now, before he told them to strike it, this time he told them, speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. Verse 11, then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff, water gushed out of it and the community and their livestock drank. Verse 12 but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron because you did not trust me, control issues, because you didn't listen to me. I know I told you to do that years ago but at this time I told you to do something different and you didn't do what I told you to do. Because of that you did not en- honor me, uh, excuse me, enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites. You will not bring this community into the land I give them buddy because you rebelled against me in this moment. You thought that you were doing this in your own right You thought that you were showing them the right way. You disobeyed me and as a result, all of the years of doing so good and so I've been so proud of you, but you're not going into the promised land. You're not going to go into it because you got to understand why. Because this rock, Hebrews talks about it. This rock, this moment, God is doing something not just for this moment, for the hundreds and thousands of years to come. This rock represents Jesus. And he says, the first time I want you to strike it because Jesus is going to die on that cross. He's going to be struck but he's going to bring life to everyone who comes and drinks of him. But the second time he said I want you to speak to it because I want them to know Jesus has already been crucified once and for all and you don't have to keep crucifying him over and over and over again. And because you didn't give that image properly because I'm a God about image. I'm a God that says hey listen let me show you what I meant about this so that you can apply your life to this thing. And because you rebelled against me in that moment you gave a false image of who I am and who my Son's going to be. He doesn't need to be crucified over and over and over again. You come before and you cry out to him after you've already repented and you've gotten right with him then all you have to do is come and say God I need you and you speak to him and he speaks back to you and he gives you life you don't have to crucify him over and over again and because you rebelled against me you do not get the promised land can you imagine this guy? this is a man of God And, and considered I'm telling you outside of Jesus every theologian would say to you the next greatest person in the holy scriptures is Moses he gave us the law God used him to set what was right and wrong. What you know to be right and wrong probably came from what what God gave us in the Torah and in, in, in the Holy Scriptures. The reason why we think this is wrong and this is right is probably because it came from the Holy Scriptures. He set in the earth what right and wrong was by explaining them through the Levitical law. Explaining to them his right ways and how to engage with him. And Moses has this last moment. He's right at the finish line and he rebels. He does it his way. Now, I know none of you in this room, none of you here have any control issues. I know this doesn't even apply to you. This is for some obscure person watching online. I know the rest of us have nothing to connect with this. I mean, we are so far away. We are all so amazingly submitted to the Lord and whatever he wants. We are, that's us. I know, I know that's not one person at work that can't stand you because you're, you're, you're a jerk. I know that that doesn't happen to you. I know you've never been mean or had outbursts of rage or anger. I know that has, I know you don't live in frustration because of your control issues. I know that's not you. But for everybody else, I want to give you a couple thoughts, biblical thoughts on how to get free from control issues, okay? So again, I know that's for nobody here, but would you take notes for someone else that you can give that to maybe at work or someone in your family, someone? Okay, let's do that. So how to get free from your control issues. Are you still there? Say yes. Yes. Come on, do you still let me say yes? Yes. Number one, take the S off your chest. Take the S off you. you are not the savior of the world. You are not the savior of the world. You can't fix everybody. You can't even fix yourself. So take the S off your chest. Take it off. Take the S off your chest. You, and listen, I know some of you just say, well, I'm just being responsible when everybody else is being, not being responsible. No, you're not. You're being arrogant because you are not the one to fix the broken things of this world. Jesus and Jesus alone can fix the broken things. You, him and him alone going to fix your husband. You keep trying to fix him. You, what's it doing to you? You keep trying to fix everybody at work because, you know, they don't do it right. And so you keep trying to show them and you're frustrated and now you're having outbursts of anger. That's all back to your control issues. Take the S off your chest. You are not the living Savior. You are not the one who's going to change. Because, back to our key verse, he takes the broken things to confound the wise. Do you realize half of what you're fighting against is God? God, I don't think you should be using them. I don't think they deserve this position. And God's saying, you dummy, I take broken people and I use them. Well, I just don't think it's right. That's your problem. You think that you should be striking the rock when he's told you not to strike the rock. Because you somehow have become the Lord of everyone's life. Because your ways and your understanding is better than everyone else. Friend, I'm telling you, I have lived this. I am am rebuking myself. Just want you to know, every one of us have to take that S off of our chest. Every one of us. I'll never forget, I was in charge of of a large group of people years ago and had this guest minister. And this guest minister showed up, and I didn't want this guest minister the senior leader wanted them, and I said, okay, we'll have them, but I don't want them because I don't like them, and I think they're messy. And uh, that, that guest minister showed up, and they started ministering, and can I tell you something was crazy with this person? They started cursing in the pulpit. They, they, they cursed. They used, I mean, they used every foul language, word you, and I'm looking at this person, and, I, I, I'm, and everybody's looking at me like, Pastor Adam, what you going to do about this guy? And I'm like, I am about to shut this joker down. I turned to my assistant. I said, go get me a microphone. And when I stand up, you tell them, mute his mic, because I'm about to handle him. And she says, yes. She goes, well, <laughs> it brings me back the mic. I go to stand up, and I promise you, God, I, it was like I was glued to the seat. God said, sit yourself down. I said, God, this guy is messing up all your people. He said, whose people? I said, your people. He goes, that's right. They're not your people. They're my people. And they're going to be just fine because I'm doing something. And you need to leave it alone. But see, you know what my great fear was? Being taken advantage of. See, people with control issues have a fear of being taken advantage of. That's that's our fear. So we get frustrated when we feel like we're being taken advantage of. And then we have outbursts of anger. Come on now. Because we can't fix what we're frustrated about. And guess what? Most of the time, you're working against God anyway. Because God is letting somebody ignorant, and broken, had that moment. And you're like, they don't deserve it. And he goes, right, neither do you. But I am the Lord God Almighty who takes the foolish things to confound the wise, who takes the broken things to show up all of those who think they know what they're doing. So can I just help you a little bit? Take the S off your chest and let Jesus be Jesus. Let him be the Savior. In fact, here's, here's some advice I would give you. You should wake up every morning, noon, and night, and here's what you should declare. Jesus is Lord and I am not fact, would you say that with me? Jesus is Lord and I am not. Say it one more time. Jesus is Lord and I am not. You know what else you ought to wake up every morning and say? You should wake up every morning and say, not only is Jesus Lord and I am not, but I am not the savior of the world. It is not your job to save everybody in their brokenness. It's your job to show them his goodness. It's your job to present him as who he is, but he is the savior of the world. We need to stop trying to control everybody and let Jesus be Jesus. Are you with me today? Say yes. I know I'm only preaching to this one person online who's never been to our church, but I just, you know, for the rest of you, giving you some information to help everybody at work. That's all we're doing here today. Here's number two, the second truth that I would teach you if you want to get free from control issues, and that is you need to learn to entrust others you got to entrust others. Pastor, every time I entrust them, they mess it up. Exactly. Because ex- it's the only way for them to learn. God is in people learning as they mess up. Yeah. It's amazing how people with control issues have more grace on their own children than everybody else's children. Well, he just, you know, he just don't understand. You know, he's, he's, he's a good kid, but. Well, you're controlling at work, but you're not controlling with your own kid. Explain that to me. How's that work? Because you love them. And you believe in their best motive. But you don't believe in this person's motive because it affects you negatively. So you attach motive and intention to action. And you don't even know if that's their motive. Can I just tell you, most people are just stupid. They don't have a motive to destroy you. They're just dumb. And not only that, most people aren't thinking about you. You got this person at work who's trying to, trying to you know, get the senior position and going around you and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and they're trying to hurt you in your mind. They're not trying to hurt you. They don't care about you. They care about themselves. So you're fighting the wrong battle. So you're frustrated. You're trying to control the situation. da 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 Listen, can I just tell you, let go, let God. Let go, let God. Let God deal with it. And you just, you be at peace. you got to learn to entrust to others. you got to let, see, see, can I just help you with something? Here's what the word of God says. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. And so, you know what? I've learned to entrust. Yeah, can I tell you something? Every one of our pastors, they got issues. Yes. Amen. Every one of them. Yes. If I waited, if I waited to raise up pastors till, when, till I found somebody who was perfect, None of us would be here, including me. You guys, are about, listen. I, listen. That's why I'm so brutally honest. People say you are so like raw in the pulpit, right? Because that's how I live every day. So I don't want to be fake in the pulpit and hallelujah, praise the Lord. Well, you know, I just bless you now and pray the glory of the Lord rest upon you. And I, I, if I'm on that guy. And then you see me at Walmart, and you're like, oh, that's why you see me at Walmart. You're like, oh, he's the same dude. He's he's yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Or when I drive past you faster. In the interstate. Like one mama told me the other day who's teaching her teenager how to drive, Pastor Adam, could you please use your blinkers? (laughs) Because as I'm teaching my child to use their blinkers, they say, well, Pastor Adam doesn't. Why do I have to? See, can I just tell you something? God entrusts his kingdom business to broken people. He entrusts the miracles of heaven. To broken people. He entrusts the cause of Christ to broken people. And you and I need to get delivered from it. If I entrust it to them, they're going to break it. Well, they probably will. But in that, he works all things together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. You're not doing anything by trying to control it. You're not helping any bit by not letting them grow in it and fall a little bit and get out there and learn a little bit. You know what? I had a coach that wouldn't let anybody but the best players play in the game. So guess what? He had one winning season, and after that, it all fell apart. You know why it all fell apart? Because he never invested in the JV team. They never got a chance on the court to miss the shot, to throw it away, to not play defense right. They never had the opportunity. He never entrusted to anybody. So he had one winning season because he got the leftovers from the coach before him. And they were amazing players. None of the rest of us got to play. Then a new coach came in who started investing way down. And it took him a few years before he won anything. But listen, his fourth year, his fifth year, his sixth year, his seventh Oh, he was a champion. Why? Because he understood. And trust. And trust. You're gonna get free from your control issues. You gotta start in trusting. Trust. Say, you know what? I'm gonna give that to you. To, I want you to, you're probably gonna wreck the car, but hallelujah, God is good. Here's the third truth that I see in the Scripture how to get set free from controlling nature. And that is, number three, obey the Lord without hesitation. Obey the Lord without hesitation. Without hesitation. He said it, do it right then. Right then. See, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, if you're a Christian, The same Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. The same Holy Spirit that was there at the day of Pentecost. The same Holy Spirit that divided the Red Sea up so they could walk on dry ground. The same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was there at creation, uh, hovering over the earth, bringing life and trees were coming forward as God was declaring uh, life into the earth, into this void. The same Holy Spirit that was there, the same Holy Spirit that was there with Moses, the same Holy Spirit that brought Jesus back to life lives in you. So those nudges, those senses that the Bible says this all of a sudden, and, you have, and you're grappling whether you should obey or not, just obey, obey, obey. Tell you a quick story on that. A couple weeks ago, everything in our life was falling apart. Everything. We've got a couple of rental properties. All the air-conditioned units went out the same day. Thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. The panic mode. I mean, Jamie and I are this, that, and this is breaking down. This is breaking down. And I turned to her and I said, can, can I ask you something? Because she administrates our finances. I oversee it. We work together. But she's smarter than me. So she administrates it makes sure that, you know, auto-drafts out of our account. I said, did you, did, did you not pay our tithe? <laughs> and she goes, "Oh no, no, no. I paid the tithe. I said, are you sure? And she goes, yeah. It's auto-draft. You don't have to think about it. I got it. You know, it's all based on percentages. I said, OK, great. Well, what happened was the Spirit of the Lord started saying, no, you didn't. And she she went, well, let me go double check that. So she's, with only a woman can do, is driving down the highway checking our accounts (laughs) on her iPhone. See, for me, it's a four-hour process. What's the password? Who are we? What what bank are we? (laughs) She's on her phone while she's driving and talking to somebody. And she realizes that one of the settings had gotten off. And some of the income from one of our other income sources has not been being tithed off of. Had not been tithed off of for five months. And she calls me. She says, um, <laughs> um, you know how, um, I said, <laughs> uh, that didn't really happen. We haven't been paying our tithe to the Lord. I like, Jenny! She goes, and, and by the way, that's thousands of dollars that we probably don't have right now. I said, Jamie, we have a savings account. Whatever we have to do, I am not robbing God. I'm not doing it, I obey the Lord. Amen. I wanna obey quickly. And she goes, don't worry about it. Next red light, she calls me back. 60 seconds. She says, it's out the door, it's done. Out the door, is done. I was like, ah. Oh. I am not going to lie to you. This is not a pitch of manipulation to get you to start believing God in the tithe. You you and Jesus need to get free from that if you're still struggling with that. Within hours, 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 things were being fixed. Miracles were happening. Air-conditioned units were being replaced. I mean, within hours, I'm telling you, by the end of that day, I'm like, baby, if you ever rob God again you ever. See, so can I just tell you something I've learned? Just obey and obey quickly. Obey and obey quickly. You know, what, you know what Moses did? He got to sitting there thinking about it. I know he told me to speak to the rock, but they're not going to listen to it. Do you also know what Moses has an issue with? Stuttering. So he doesn't feel confident to speak. He feels confident to act because he's a man of action. He's a doer. He's a controller. He makes it happen. And God tells him, this time I want you to speak to it. He says, no, 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 I'm going to strike it. But I know he told me to speak to him. He's mulling it over and over and over and over. How long does it take him to get a million people gathered out in the field? Hours. They finally get everybody there. Hear ye, hear ye. Moses and Aaron, the men of God, have something to declare to us. We have heard you. You're complaining about the water which we can't believe you bunch of rebellious devils how long do i have to fool with you suckers you've taken 80 years of my life plus another 40 years out here in this wilderness with you i'm almost 120 years old you oh you know how when you get older you ain't got patience you don't know how old people ain't got no patience none none and they will drive you insane till you get oh my jesus I would never be an internet provider. I would never be an internet Wi-Fi installer going to these old people's houses. And they're like, wait a minute. What's the password? Oh, no, I would not fool with that. Would never do it. I, got it. I don't have it. And Moses is at that spot. He's almost 120. He is like, I ain't got time for y'all. And in that moment, he goes, I'm not going to speak it. I'm going to hit the rock twice because I'm frustrated. God still honored it for the sake of the people. See, this is where some of your mess up is. You think because God still cares for the people under you and around you, that he still uses you to help them, that he's pleased with the way you did it. But you did it in disobedience. And what you're doing is you're messing up the end plan of you living for the rest of your existence in the promised land. I'm not talking about heaven or hell. I'm talking about the favor of God that comes when you and I just quickly obey. When we just walk in obedience. You want to get set free from control? Just quickly obey. He will tell you to do things that you won't even know what to do with it. I'll never forget. I, listen, I've had so many of these moments with the Lord. Years ago, I think I've told you this. I, Jamie and I was sitting in a restaurant uh, with this other pastor. And, uh, and this little gal kept coming to the table bringing our food. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, I want you to prophesy to her. And I'm like, okay, what do you have for me? Nothing. I'm getting nothing. Just the sense I need to tell her something. I don't know what to tell her. So I'm like, well, when you tell me what to tell her, then I'll tell her something. He says, "When you start talking, I'll tell you something." <laughs> I ain't there. You tell me what to tell her. I'm gonna tell her when you tell him. you tell me what? To tell I don't know. I might be making this up in my mind. It might be leftover pizza dreams from last night. I'm not fooling with this. But I couldn't get past it. Spirit of the Lord. Spirit of the Lord. Finally, we're about to leave. We're heading out. Jamie says, "Hey, let me run to the restroom before we leave because we've got a little bit of a drive to go to this pastor's church." Pastor says, "Yeah, I better do a ba- bathroom break real quick too." And I'm standing there, kind of in the lobby area, just kind of, you know. And all of a sudden, here she comes. There she is. She's got a bunch of stuff in her hands. And and I just felt the spirit, of the Lord, now. So I said, like, excuse me. <laughs> and she's like, Yeah? I'm like, anytime now, Lord. Anytime. <laughs> and she's like hearing all this stuff. She's like, Yeah. I was like, um, I'm a Christian. <laughs> she's like, okay. I never tell them I'm a pastor because pastors mess things up, you know. I just, I'm just a Christian, so she's, they may have met good Christians and bad Christians. Who knows? But I just tell them I'm a Christian, and um, and, and um, I felt like God wanted me to tell you something. So she goes, "Okay, what?" I'm like, "Any time now, I love Jesus." Say, okay, here we are. I'm on the stage. You know, like, what do we do? Hey, everybody's looking at me. I don't know what to tell her, but deep inside of my little heart, I felt to just these words. I just said. God just wants you to know um that he loves you <laughs> and um and uh, and that he's that he's gonna take care of your kids and she starts dropping things she's her knees are buckling, and I'm like, oh dear God, like I wouldn't have thought that that was very powerful, would you like I mean that I mean, anyone could have guessed. I mean, that's, a, yeah, that's not, like, very specific. Anyone could have guessed that, right? <laughs> like, uh, like, God loves you, and he's going to take care of your family. <laughs> you know I mean? I didn't think it was that impactful. I, I felt like I missed the Lord actually, but I was just trying to be obedient. And she says uh, she's falling down on the ground. I'm trying to grab her and help her up. And then she looks up at me with tears coming down her face. I mean, just she's boo-hooing. She goes, my 16-year-old daughter last year was kidnapped. We searched for her for four months and they found her body in a field. I, I, I got a seven-year-old at home, thank you. She goes running off. Right. And God spoke to me, he said, every day that woman wakes up and she prays two prayers to me, Adam. God is my baby girl with you, is she alive, is she safe, do you have her? And number two, God, I'm a single mom, i got to go work a job. Are you going to protect this seven-year-old, this eight-year-old that I'm leaving at home? So when you said, not only do I love her, but you've got her children taken care of, you have no idea what you just told her. Jamie and them come out of the bathroom. I said, hey, I want to talk to you guys about the power of God. (laughs) God wants to do big things in the earth. and (laughs) We need to learn to be obedient. I want to tell you, like... How I walk in greater peace <laughs> I'm just telling you. You got to turn loose control and let him and let him lead you obediently. Quickly, 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 quickly. Are you with me today? Say yes. Come on, stand with me. Quickly.